All right. Um, if uh, if you guys, I've got a little picture that they're going to use here. I've got a picture of uh, of something in my front yard, and um, I want to preach about two things today uh, from the Word of God for just a little while. Uh, I want to talk about bushes and babies. Bushes and babies. All right. I don't know what the connection is in between, but if you'll follow along, this is a this is a tree that we planted in. Um, in our front yard, and uh, Loretta got me out there and carrying bricks and digging up ground and all this other kind of stuff to get ready for it. In 2016, the year we moved into our house here in Baltimore, we were looking for some furniture. So we went to thrift stores, went to Salvation Army store, and we bought three pieces of furniture at the Salvation Army store down around Catonsville or, or Hillthorpe, somewhere down in there. And um, and so they had these little uh, styrofoam cups that had little plants in them. Somebody did out, just outside the door, and they were offering them for free, weren't they? For free. You couldn't get anybody to pay for anything like that. Get just a little styrofoam cup, a little dirt, and one little plant. And uh, so we didn't even know what we had for sure. Then we got home. They had written on there, but we didn't know what kind of a, a thing this was. So uh, Loretta took care of it, nurtured it, and talked to it. She talks to her plants and her butterflies and, and her pets. But we nourished that little thing, and, and, um, and it, it didn't grow much. So finally she thought, well, I'll put it in a pot. So she put it in a pot, and it started growing a little bit, and it got up to about 12, 14 inches, you know, and it was just growing slowly. And Loretta said, I'm going to put this thing in the ground, and I need you to go out and dig, and I need you to get some, some uh, cement blocks and, and carry them and whatever else. And so we put that thing in the ground. It was about a foot and a half tall. And I thought, with all of the work that I've done in my beautiful front yard, and I'm going to have to trim around it, I'm going to have to mow around this thing, you know, it's going to be more work for me. So I stood there, and I said to that tree, you've got to the end of the summer to get to be at least three feet tall, or I'm cutting you down. So I threatened that bush. And it, at the end of the summer, it was about four feet tall. Now this year, it's about eight feet tall. We've got blooms, and, and, and it's an amazing kind of a little tree. They're called a golden rain tree. And they put out these little bean pods that look like little lanterns. So it's, it's kind of an amazing thing. Now, so we were at the chiropractor's office, and one of the ladies that works there, she's a physical therapist, and she... She knows a lot about plants, so we were telling her about, uh, uh, about this, and I said, yeah, and I threatened that thing. She says, oh, it works. She says, I've done it before. I've threatened those bushes. You don't grow. I'm going to cut you down. So now I don't know how scientific that is, and I don't know if, if any of you go, somebody's going to go home and try this. All right, you cactus, I've been waiting for you to grow. You're going to grow or I'm throwing you out. Uh, so I got to thinking about it, and I thought, doesn't that, that sound like something in the Bible? Where Jesus looked at a fig tree, and he examined the tree, and he threatened that tree. And, and uh, matter of fact, he, he put a curse on it because it had nice green leaves, but it had no fruit. It wasn't producing any kind of fruit. And uh, so you can you can read about that in the Bible, but I want to take you to Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, and uh, I want you to uh, just 
see what Jesus had to say about, about the, uh, the plant that wasn't producing fruit. In uh, Mark, uh, let's see, yeah, there's two or three places we can go to it, but Mark 11 and uh, 12 through 14. I'm, you can turn your Bible on. I'm flipping pages while you turn on your electronic instrument and find your, your Bible. Uh, 12 through 14. Uh, uh, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing, nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, that's also recorded in the 21st chapter of Matthew. But Jesus was saying, look, if you were growing properly, you would produce fruit, all right? At another time, he curses a fruit, and it withers and dies. It curses a, a fig tree that is not growing properly. You, you remember the story of the mustard seed in, um, where was it, in the Gospel of Luke? And uh, Jesus telling the story about having faith uh, like a mustard seed. That one song really spoke to me this morning. Lord, give me faith to trust you. Yeah. Uh, trust is a big issue, isn't it? Because we just want to take control of everything rather than trust God with it. Don't we want to do that, church? We, we just want to take control because I, I got some good ideas, and I th- you know, I, I'm going to try this. If it works, if it doesn't work, I'm going to try. Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier before all the frustration and disappointment if we just, by faith, said, God, I want to trust you with this. I, I'm just going to give this thing to you, and I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. Even if nothing happens in the next 24 hours, I'm, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And uh, so Jesus said, if we could develop faith like a mustard seed. Now, what did he say about a mustard seed? He said, you put that mustard seed in the ground, kind of like what Loretta's styrofoam cup plant, you know. The mustard seed is the smallest of seeds, yet when you put it in the ground and you water it and you dig around it and it starts to grow, it actually grows into one of the largest trees in that part of the world, and it be, it has so many branches. It says that the birds can come and the animals can come and benefit from it, and man benefits from the shade he gets from the mustard tree. Now, you got to understand, in the Middle East, there are times out there around places around Jericho and out on the plains of Judea where it can get up to 140 degrees in the summer. You understand that? So everybody there knows how to appreciate a good shade tree. And uh, living in Arizona, when we did, we learned that you get under the shade when it's 115 degrees in Tucson, immediately under that shade tree, the temperature drops 12 degrees in the shade. So Jesus said that one small seed can grow, and it becomes this larger thing. Now, Jesus talked to us a lot about agriculture. You remember the story of the, uh, of the man who went out, you know, with a bag of seed, and he went out to sow seed. Some fell on the wayside. Some fell among thorns. You remember that? Some of it was a good seed, and it grew up, and it flourished, and whatever. So Jesus was interested in plants, biological things, growing properly. And not only growing properly to maturity, but in producing fruit. So, God 
uses this whole idea of plants and of, and of seeds and of, of uh, growing things uh, as an analogy of our spiritual life. And God wants us to grow. God wants you to grow. Matter of fact, God's very interested in your growth. Matter of fact, God is very involved in your growth. Because according to James, sometimes God sends trials our way to help us what? Grow. You know? I remember the story of a woman who, um, who, uh, who, who, who was leaving church one Sunday, and, and uh, just recently she had been declared legally blind. And, uh, and so uh, the pastor was so sympathetic, and he said, oh, I, I heard, and, I, you know, we're really praying for your sister. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. He just, he was so sorry. He was just, you know, offering pity. And she didn't want pity. She said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Oh, yes, sister, I will, I will. She said, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray that this will not be wasted, but instead I'll use it to grow. Wow. Here's a lady just losing her eyesight. And she I want to grow. I want to grow through this thing. I remember we were sitting at a missions meeting about 10 years ago, and, and uh, there was an older couple there who were new missionaries. And they were in their early 70s. And he had been a district superintendent in Ohio for the Assemblies of God for years, had a fruitful ministry, been an ex, uh, experienced pastor. And, uh, and, and now they were going to Europe as missionaries. So they were raising their support. They were coming in. They were being candidate missionaries like all the rest of us. And his motto was, grow until you go. Grow until you go. Isn't that amazing? That people have that kind of attitude. So God wants us to grow. Jesus wanted that fig tree to produce. He wants that mustard seed to grow and grow properly and become this large tree. He was very interested in agriculture, but he was more interested in the lesson in life to learn that God wants our spiritual life to grow. Because if it grows like the mustard seed that grows into this tree, others benefit from our growth. Others benefit benefit from our maturity in Christ. So, yeah, he's interested in bushes. He is. He's also interested in babies, okay? Uh, just before service today, I was looking at little Enoch in his father's arms. Uh, Enoch is, uh, is the son of, of uh, Stephen, and they were there together having a great time. And he's, what, about a, about a year old, and now he's walking, and, and uh, just a cute little boy. I, I can just imagine that when... Uh, Sabah and Stephen brought little Enoch home from the hospital when he was only a few days old. They they probably didn't put him on the front porch and say, okay, now when you can take care of yourself properly, when you can sit at the table and eat like all the rest of us, uh, when you can answer the phone, when you can do daily chores, then you can come on in the house and join the family. You think they said that? I don't think they did that to their little baby. I don't think anybody does that to their little baby. So, you know, we were singing earlier about I'm a child of God. Jesus said you must be born again. So he talked about a birth, a new birth, and in that birth that we are like babies. 
And we're going to read here in 1 Corinthians in just a moment about what the Apostle Paul said about our, our spiritual growth and about us as babies. So if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is writing a letter to one of the churches that he had started in uh, his missionary journeys. And uh, so he's addressing, he, he, he starts out with this letter he writes, and he's being very kind. He's being very much a spiritual father to the believers at Corinth. And uh, he's talking about how he's prayed for them, and they're in his heart, and how he loves them, and so forth. And then comes the reality of the fact that there are some things going on in the church that are not right. There were some divisions in the church. There were people who had preacher religion. Well, if it's not Brother Paul, I don't want anybody baptizing me, just Paul. And if it's not Apollos, you know, I want Apollos to be my pastor. If he can't be my pastor, I'm not coming here to church anymore, you know. So there was all these divisions that were developing uh, in this church in Corinth that Paul loved so much. So he kind of wrote to them as a spiritual father. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, follow along as I read a few of these verses. See what you think. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. I doubt that uh, when Stephen and Sabah brought their baby home from the hospital in that first month, they offered him a six-ounce sirloin steak. You know, he would have choked on it, right? He couldn't eat it anyway. For you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. What's he saying? Oh, poor little kids. No. He's saying, come on. Man up. Come on, you guys. Grow up. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I have Apollos, are you not mere men? So what Paul is saying to them is, look, he said, at a time when you should be teaching others, when you should be leading others, when you should be accepting spiritual responsibility in the body of Christ, I still have to treat you like babies because you're acting like babies. So in other words, Paul is saying, we need to grow up in the church, and, and we need spiritual growth to take us to maturity in Christ. So we are, we are, we are called these babies. Now, what, what do we do with babies? I can imagine what Stephen and Sabah would do. They live in my neighborhood. So I check up on them. I spy on them. You didn't know that, did you, Stephen? No, I'm just kidding. I can just imagine, though, because they got a beautiful, healthy little child in every way, he's growing just right, just right. So I can imagine, you bring that child home from the hospital, and you've got to feed him. You've got to change his diaper. Isn't that the fun that we love? You've got to wake up in the middle of the night every two or three hours because he's hungry. And you can't say, oh, kid, <laughs> go to the refrigerator. Get yourself a bowl of cereal, you know. You can't do that. You've got to do it for him. Matter of fact, you've got to do it and and. And I know that because I'm a father of three, and I remember when they were all babies. And you've got to do everything for them in the beginning. That's the way it is with babies. 
And so you have to nurture them. You have to help them along. You have to change diapers. You have to wash their clothes. You have to do everything for them. As they get a little older, you, you teach them how to dress themselves. And then they get to be, what, five, six years old, and you're teaching them how to tie their shoes, you know? And they're no longer living on milk, but now it's uh, cereal and it's bacon and eggs, and they've learned all the good things that they like, like ice cream and candy and donuts. All those things that kids can seem to eat and they never gain weight, we smell them and we gain weight. I look at a donut, and Weight Watchers said, Dong, you're over the limit again. Too many points just for looking at one. And I love donuts. All right? And so the kid starts to grow. I, 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 uh, I was asked to be the speaker at Mary's Baccalaureate in high school when she was a senior in high school, and I talked about this whole thing. And the kids laughed all the way through, and so did the parents because they knew what I was talking about was true. And the older they get, as they start to grow, we start giving them more responsibility. Hey, Johnny, you're a big boy now. It's your responsibility to take the trash out. All right? So you start giving them more responsibility. And you, you know how kids are these days. They're like, well, what am I going to get for it? Okay, we'll set you up an allowance, you know. You remember Paul Harvey? Some people remember Paul Harvey. He said, he said you try offering kids a, a quarter these days, they'll look at you like, what's a quarter? You know. So you offer them a, 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 a little, okay, good. We'll give you a little incentive. And you watch those kids begin to grow. And they learn how to take care of themselves. They learn how to bathe themselves. They learn how to sit at the table, how to eat, and on and on and on. Now, can you just imagine what it's like, what it would be like for a 15-year-old child to still be on mother's milk? And aren't some of us like that in the church? At a time when we've been hanging around, some of us have been hanging around for quite a while, but sometimes we're still kind of acting like babies, like those that are immature when we should be growing in the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about for political or, or social value in the church or whatever or, or jostling for leadership, but I'm talking about our need to grow in the Lord. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about ways that we can grow. But first of all, we have to acknowledge that we need to grow, that we all need to grow. Like that 70-some-year-old missionary who spent a whole life preaching the gospel, he said, I'm still growing, and I intend to continue to grow in the Lord until the day that I'm taken out of here. The apostle Paul said in Philippians, he said, I'm pressing toward the mark. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of an athlete running a race, and he's pressing toward the finish line. He said, I have not yet apprehended. I have not yet arrived. I am not yet perfect. I'm still trying. I'm still pressing. I'm still growing in Jesus. He was 60-some years old when he said that. That was near the end of his life. And Paul himself acknowledged a need to continue to grow, to consume more of God, to consume more of his word, to move up closer to the Lord, to surrender more of his life to God, to become more valuable in the kingdom of God and in his church, the body of Christ. Recognizing that need to grow. 
because we never reach that point where we can say, well, I, I've been serving the Lord 45 years. Hallelujah. You know, like one lady said, I've been in the way for 50 years. Yeah, it's time you get out of the way and let somebody else move on through. I don't know how many of you ever heard of the old cowboy philosopher and author, Will Rogers from Oklahoma. I read something he said one time. He said, now, you may be on the right track, but if you sit still long enough, you'll get run over. We're going the right way, but if we sit still, you can't sit still. You're either growing or you're, or you're, or you're dying, okay? You're either, you're either moving forward in your spiritual life or you're moving backwards because if you're not making progress, that means that the enemy is going to move in on you in a weak moment, and he's going to take you backwards. So there's this need to grow. Paul said, look, he said, some of you, he said this in another place, he said, he said, some of you need to be teaching. The Hebrews writer said the same thing in chapter 5. In chapter 6, he said, he said, when you should be taking the meat of the Word of God in understanding, when you should be ready for those strong theological uh, studies and those things that are powerful in the Word of God, he said, you still have to have milk. So it's like a person who's an adult who still survives on mother's milk. You know, how many of you would like to have a little baby food jar of sweet potatoes for lunch today? Yeah. Did we really eat those things when we were little? I guess we did. You know, but for me, I'd just soon have a hamburger and French fries or some fried chicken and mashed potatoes, right? So Paul is saying there's a need in us to grow. And it'll benefit the church when we grow. It'll benefit other people, but it benefits us. Because as we grow in the Lord, we're going to talk about that more next week. As we grow in the Lord, we receive strength to be able to face new trials. Because guess what? There are more trials coming. There are more tests coming. We're not finished yet. If you're still alive, you're still going to be subject to trials. And, t- and guess what? There are some pr- surprises coming that you have not planned for. But guess what? God is not surprised by anything, and he's fully prepared. If we only knew how much God loves us, if you only knew how much God really cares. I I tell people sometimes, I love you. Your parents love you, but that love that we have for you is nothing like what God has for you. God has a desire for you to grow. God has a desire for you to progress in your spiritual life and move up closer to him. I saw saw a sign one time on a on a, on a church bulletin board, it says, so if you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved? Did God move away from you or did you move away from God? You see, God's always there. So there's that need of us growing and moving up closer to God, growing in the Word of God, growing in, in devotional time, There was a time in my life where my prayer life needed to grow. We're going to talk about those things next Sunday so you can get ready for that. There was a time when when my prayer life needed to grow and 
and, and there was a new challenge to pray an hour every day. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can say everything I know to say in five minutes. How am I going to do this for, for an hour? But then when I, I got to praying for an hour, Loretta and I together and got to praying for an hour, praying the Lord's Prayer as a pattern, it was like after a while, it was like it was nothing, it was nothing to pray for an hour. But did we start seeing things happen in our lives? I, I don't know uh, who was in charge of the prayer meeting around here on Wednesday night because we were down in Virginia. But Jamie is a new guy in Teen Challenge. He said, man, something happened to me on Wednesday night. And that right? He's got his hand up, raised up. He said, something happened to me in that prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And he said, for the last couple of days, things have really been different for me. That's amazing. You see? Because of the power of prayer. How many of you want to grow in prayer? How many of you want to do that? There's a young guy up north in Michigan, and, and he did not grow up in the church. His name is John Mark, and uh, he's a Chi Alpha campus pastor. He reaches kids on a college uh, university campus in Michigan. And, and, and he didn't grow up in the church. He didn't grow up in the assemblies of God. He grew up without God. He grew up in a family of that. He knew nothing about the Bible. He knew nothing about Jesus till he got saved on a college campus. And then God called him to grow through a college ministry. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to be a campus pastor. And he's today a U.S. Assemblies of God missionary. You know what he does? He's going through the grocery store, and, and he's going down the aisle, and God speaks to his heart about a woman he sees standing there. And he goes over to her, and he said, Lady, I know you don't know me, but God just spoke to me about you. And he said that, that just last week your husband asked for a divorce, and you really don't know what to do, and your life is falling apart. I want to pray for you right now. That's what he does. He's used by God. He's used by the, by the Holy Spirit, he has a prayer life. He has a, he has a ministry. He has a calling. God's use, and students are following him. I mean, he reads their mail. The Holy Spirit just declares these things about these students, and things are happening in their lives. So if we grow, it's going to benefit us, and we're going to grow in the Lord, get closer to God, move closer to him. But in addition to that, it's going to be a blessing to somebody else. Wow. How many of you want to grow? Praise God. There's Glenn back there, 92 years old, almost 92. Next month he'll be 92. Isn't that great? 92 years old next month. Wow. And he finally told one of his doctors the other day, bug off. I'm paying you a lot of money, not getting a lot of help for it. You know what? If you're 92, you can say that to your doctor, can't you? Yeah. You, I look forward to that day when I can just say that. Oh, I'm, forget it. I'm not coming back. I'm not sending you any more money. I'm just who I am. But he still comes to church every Sunday. Why? Because he knows he needs to worship the Lord. Life's not over yet. He's still growing. Still growing. Some of us are stuck in one place. And we justify it. Well, <laughs> I work hard. Or, well, nobody's got the trouble I've got. Oh, yeah. If we all just had time to really open up and talk, <laughs> there's always somebody who's a lot worse off than you are. So when you start patting yourself on the shoulder and say, now, <laughs> you, know, you don't have to read that Bible. You don't have to go to church all the time. It's too hard. It's difficult for you to get, you know, you're, you, you got some, you know, don't let the devil sit on your shoulder because there are people who have 
<clears throat> worse problems than you do. But they're still growing in the Lord. They still realize a need to move closer to God. Um, there's a lot of things I could say, and we're going to talk about next week how you can grow in the Lord. But as, um, as this thought was just running through my mind, thinking about the bush growing, uh, I don't curse that tree anymore. I go out and water it, and, you know, I go out and look at it, and, hey, honey, there's a new bloom on the tree. It's really growing. It's, it's about eight feet tall now. One of these days it becomes this big bush, bushy tree with all these beautiful yellow flowers. As I was, and the bees love it. The butterflies love it. You know, they're all benefiting from it. It just grow. It's a growing thing. That's what God wants for us. Not to be babies, but to be fully grown. Remember what James said, and then I'm going to tell you the story. James chapter one. He said, "Count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of trials." Oh, really? You're going to laugh your way into trouble, you know? I'm at a trial. How are you? That's great. I love trials. Bring them on, God. Oh, really? He said, count it all joy. Because if you read, you know, it, it brings about perseverance and faith. It builds, it, one guy said it this way, it puts steel in your soul when you go through a trial with God. But if you read what James said, and the very end of the whole thing is so that it will lead to your spiritual maturity. So we're going to talk about that next week, how important experience is in helping us grow in the Lord. So as I was thinking about this whole idea of growing and helping you to grow and helping you understand about the importance of growing, uh, a story, uh, a real-life example in 2003, in our church in uh, Rome, Italy, um, we spent 15 years pastoring International Christian Fellowship in Rome, and uh, it was some of the greatest years of our, our ministry, those 15 years. And uh, we were not prepared for it. We were not qualified for it, but God was, and, and we're just so glad that he used us to be the senior pastors of that great ministry. And we, we used to meet in this cathedral in downtown uh, Rome. It was the first Protestant church built in Rome, built in the 1870s, and, uh, and it, it's a cathedral. It's actually an Anglican cathedral. And so for years, our congregation rented that place because we couldn't get a building of our own. We couldn't find anything, and we couldn't afford it. So we rented this church every Sunday afternoon, and we were a church in those days of about three to 400 people and uh, from 50 nations or so. And, um, and on one weekend, some of our group were out at the train station, and they were sharing the gospel and passing out tracts in this big train station in downtown Rome. Some of you have been to Italy, you've been to Rome, you've been to Termini Station. And uh, so they invited this, this uh, young African boy, and uh, he was kind of tall and thin, lanky, just kind of all arms and legs, and, and just kind of, you know, looking like he was just lost. And so they invite him to the church. So, uh, so he came. And uh, uh, he was uh, a, a Roman Catholic, grew up Roman Catholic in Nigeria. He is from the Igbo uh, people of, of uh, eastern southern Nigeria. And, um, 
and uh, he uh, was an altar boy in his, his church, and his mother wanted him to become a Catholic priest, so they'd kind of picked him to become a priest. Anyway, when his mother died, his world fell apart. He was close to his mom. He was the youngest of her sons. There were nine kids, and he was the youngest son. And uh, he was a kind of mom's favorite, and, and he was close to his mom. And so he ran away from Nigeria. He got a ticket to come as a tourist to Italy. And then he stayed and became illegal rather than returning back at the end of his tourist visa. And uh, just kind of sold things on the street. He was a street peddler. And so he came to our service that day, and he heard something in the service talking about, you know, there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. He, he didn't see that that was the right thing, and, and so he left. He wasn't going to come back. Anyway, God spoke to his heart. About a month later, he came back again. And on that Sunday, he came forward and gave his heart to the Lord. His name is Lawrence. Now, Lawrence wanted to do something for God, wanted to work in the church. And we took one look at Lawrence and thought, what can we give this guy to do? He can't do anything. And his, his, his language is so broken, he, he doesn't even speak English that well, and, and that's his first language. And so uh, Lawrence helped to set up the sound system, and he never did it right. And there were times when I yelled at him, Lawrence, stop. You're not putting that in the right place. I've told you time and time again, because we had 30 minutes to set up our sound system and our musical instruments at the beginning of the service, and because we rented this place for three hours, and it cost us $450 for three hours every Sunday. And then we had 30 minutes when it was all over to take it all down, put it all in a storage closet. Anyway, we watched Lawrence's life. <clears throat> And he had a desire to work for the church. He had a desire to know Jesus. And one night we were having a Holy Spirit revival in that old cathedral. And, and one night uh, my, my, my colleague, who was a, a missionary evangelist, he preached that night on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he invited people to come forward who wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, I knew that Lawrence had been wanting the Holy Spirit. He said, I just want whatever God has in my life. I grew up, you know, Roman Catholic as an altar boy. I don't know anything about Pentecostalism. I don't know about speaking in tongues, but I want everything that God has for me. He was growing. He was growing, and he had a desire to grow. And about 25 or 30 people lined up in the front of that old cathedral that night and uh, said, we want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We began laying hands on them, and I remember when I reached out to put a hand on Lawrence, because I knew that he was ready to receive it. When I reached out, he backed up, and he started backing up down the center aisle of the church, just like here, like all the way back to the, almost to the back doors, that kind of distance. And he just started backing up, and every time I'd reach out, he'd just start backing up. Finally, about halfway down the aisles of that old cathedral, he threw his hands into the air, started speaking in tongues, and just fell back into the floor. And he laid there for about 15 minutes just speaking in tongues in another language as the Holy Spirit gave utterance. If you don't understand that, we'll tell you what it's about. It's Acts chapter 2. It's Acts chapter 10. It happened to Jews and Greeks and whoever else people. It happens to us in our day. And after about 15 minutes, Lawrence got up and he said, Pastor, he said, 
God's called me to preach. And I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, that's going to take some work. That's going to take some growing. Okay. But I didn't say anything. Okay, good. Praise God. Hallelujah. You, God's called you to preach. We need lots of preachers. So we got involved in evangelism teams, and one of our missionary colleagues, a friend in, in, in the city of Rome, was teaching evangelism classes every week. And so uh, Lawrence got in and learned that whole thing. Finally, he said, I'm going to make him my assistant. So Lawrence became the assistant evangelism director. And then when that missionary left, he put Lawrence in charge. Lawrence then was teaching the evangelism classes. Now, here's a guy who was so broken. Here's a guy who was running from the reality of his mother's death. Here's a guy who knew nothing about being born again, a relationship with Jesus, or being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, he was living with a bunch of Nigerian guys who uh, had, had done some bad things with the landlord. They called the police. Lawrence ran when the police got there because his, he was illegal. He didn't have his documents in order. And so uh, he, he ran from the police. He fell, broke his arm, ended up several weeks in the hospital, had to have his forearm completely re- reconstructed, all this kind of stuff going on in his life. And, um, and he was just, he was a real piece of work, but he wanted to work for Jesus. And after a while, he said, Pastor Mike, he said, you know, I, I, I just want to grow. Is there a Bible school? Well, we got him into global university classes. And so we started teaching classes at our, at our uh, ministry center. And he was one of my students. I taught him classes. And uh, I thought, oh, man, there's a lot of growing here. There's a, there, there may be potential, but, boy, this guy's got a long way to go. And, uh, <clears throat> and to make, it, make a long story short in his testimony, Lawrence began to grow even more and more, became a pastor in training, became my full-time associate pastor, married a woman from Sri Lanka, and they lived in our apartment with us for a while. We had this huge apartment. They lived with us for a while. They didn't have any place to live. Became my associate pastor. I started prayer meetings on Tuesday night in the year 2000. Sometimes we'd have 30, sometimes 35, 40 people, you know, in, in a prayer meeting on a Tuesday night. That church still has Tuesday night prayer meetings. And I went away on furlough for a few months and came back, and I left Lawrence in charge of the whole church. And you know what? He had crowds. People came and told me, he said, Pastor Mike said, the church went well while you were gone. Now, I didn't mind that because it meant I had done my job. I had helped people to grow. I had done my job. Lawrence was having 140, 150 people every Tuesday night in prayer meetings in that church. They were powerful powerful prayer meetings. And I thought, so when we got back, Lawrence said to me, he said, pastor, he said, well, I, I guess you want to take the leadership of the prayer meetings back again. He said, you know, go ahead. I said, nope, you're doing better than I did. You just keep going. And he did. And today, Lawrence is a pastor of an international church. He's reached one degree. Now he's working on a second degree. He and his wife are both ordained ministers pastor of an international church of some two to 300 people and growing. He's been called upon by the Italian Red Cross to go help and to, uh, to have leadership in ministering to African people in some of the refugee camps. He's not only a pastor of that church, he's a leader of pastors. He gathers pastors from all over Rome together 
uh, monthly, and they have meetings, and they have fellowship, and they have prayer meetings, and they organize events together. He's recognized among the Italian churches. He's wanted by the Italian churches. When he goes back to Nigeria, the assistant superintendent of the Assemblies of God took him around preaching in churches of up to 5,000 people in Nigeria and preaching in a pastor's conference, teaching pastors how to lead their churches in Africa. Isn't that amazing? Why was that? Because he was growing. He had a desire to grow. He had a desire to know more about God. He had a desire to know more about God's Word. He had a desire to pray. He was hungry like a little kid. When my son was 14 years old, he, he would eat not one Big Mac, not two Big Macs, but he'd say, Dad, can I have a third one? Sure, son. You're a growing boy. Eat all you want. That's what God wants from his children. Oh, Father, can I have a little more time with you? Can I have a little more of your word? Can I eat the scroll that you sent to the prophet? Can I consume a little more of your Holy Spirit, God? I feel like I'm growing. I feel like I'm getting stronger every day. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. One of these days, little Enoch will look back at his dad and his mom and say, thank you for everything that you did in my life to help me grow. My, our son is 49 years old, and he still remembers the hardest whipping he ever got in his life. He was four or five years old, and he went playing over to railroad tracks in our neighborhood with another kid. I knew boys who were run over by trains from playing on trains and playing in the rain and the tracks when they were kids back in my hometown. He still remembers that. And he says, dad, thank you because of what you did that day. I gave him the hardest whipping I've ever given any of my kids, but I determined today I have to give him a lesson to help him to realize that he, he can never go back to those railroad tracks again. And he never did. And he thanks me for it because I was helping him grow. I was watching over him. One of these days, Elenic will come to Sabah and Stephen stand up straight and say, Mom, Dad, thank you. Thank you for being proud of me. Thank you for feeding me, taking care of me, loving me when I was unlovable, helping me through those difficult teenage years. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping me grow. One of the things I love to tell my kids is, I am so proud of the person you have become. That's what God wants to say when he looks down upon us. Is to say, Larry, I'm, I'm proud you're one of my boys. You're a child of God. Look at you. Think of where you've come from and where you are today. Hallelujah. God wants you to grow. There's more growing and spiritual maturity to reach. And once you get to be, you know, where's, where's Stacy? Stacy Regis. Her mom and dad did a whole lot of things in helping her grow. She's about to become an MD, a medical doctor. She's going back to her island country in the Caribbean, going to work in the hospitals there to help her people. So not only did what they did help her, but now it's helping others as well. Amen. There's some growing to do in the body of Christ. We're the family of God, but there's some growing up to do. Some of you are babies. Some of you are babies in, in your knowledge of God, and in, you're just starting out, just learning how to walk, you know. 
but we're going to help you. You got some older brothers and sisters. You got some spiritual mothers and fathers. They're going to help you grow. We're in a family here. We're going to help you grow. We're going to nurture you. And those of us who have been around for a while, you know what? We can still grow too. We can still grow. Paul said, I haven't finished yet. I'm still growing. That old missionary said, grow till you go. That's my motto. That's my wife's motto now because we're in our 70s, so now that's what she, I'll grow till I go. Amen. Growing in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you've done a marvelous thing in our lives. When we became born again of water and of spirit, you did a marvelous thing, oh Lord, in us, a new beginning, a new creation. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you for all we have in Jesus. Now, Lord, we want to grow. We want to move forward. We want to go on to maturity. We want to learn how to lead others and bring others along and be a blessing to others, Lord, as we grow. Lord, we pray, God, use every one of us in your kingdom and in the body of Christ. Help us as we nurture those who are young in the Lord. We look, we overlook a lot of their their faults and their struggles because we know they're just starting out. Some have little knowledge of God, but they're trying. And we're loving them, Lord, loving them into following you in prayer and the word of God and experience and and fellowship in the body of Christ, just as they did in the early church. So, Lord, help us as a church, help us as pastors and, and leaders and elders and those of us who have been around for a long time to understand that and to love them and help them grow just like we do a, a small child. And, Lord, today I pray that the Holy Spirit will challenge every one of us that there's a lot of growing to do, a lot of moving forward, a lot of maturity that you're asking us of us today to move up to another level. Thank you, God. Keep us moving forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Next Sunday, I'm going to share with you some ideas about how to grow. I don't want to just say, hey, you need to grow. I'm going to share.